Thank you. My mission in life is this. I wrote this down when I was 21. My mission in life is to passionately live to my full potential in Jesus Christ and to equip, encourage, inspire, and challenge everybody I meet to do the same. If you don't have a mission by which to live your life, I encourage you to ask God, pray for one, and live by it, and use it as a filter for how you decide what you will and won't do, where your energies will and will not go. And today we are in the middle of a series based on Dennis Rouse's book, 10 Qualities, that move you from a believer to a disciple. And this message could not be more me than you could possibly ever hear. In fact, if this was the only message that I was ever to preach, to say this sums up who I am and what I desire to do, it would be this message. A disciple is not just somebody who follows Jesus. A disciple is somebody who is a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. And today we are looking at the quality of a disciple, which is somebody who is determined to have their lives governed by the Word of God, the truth of the Bible. I think believers are people who enjoy verses like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I think believers like that verse. I think Disciples like verses like Psalm 62, for God alone my soul waits in silence. How do you behave when God doesn't answer your prayers? How do you behave when He answers your prayers in a different way than what you wanted or were expecting? That's the difference between a believer and a disciple. But to do that and to become disciples, we have to get ourselves to a point where we will 100% trust 100% of the Word of God. Not just, I like this verse, but not that one. A disciple is somebody who reads Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and says, yes, I believe it. Not based on who I am, but on who He is. That's what a disciple does. Now, I think when it comes to the written Word of God, Unfortunately, culture has us in a bad place right now. Society has us in a bad place when it comes to things we read. Because we have ourselves a position in history where people seem to fall into two different camps based on what they read. There is a group of people who read everything and believe everything they read, which is a naive position. And there are those people who read everything and do not believe anything that they read and they are sceptics. And we live in a world between naivety and scepticism. But when it comes to the Word of God, you can neither be naive nor can you be sceptical because the Bible either contains 100% the truth of God or it contains none of it. It is either worthy of all of our trust or it is worthy of zero. You and I must make the decision in our own hearts. And when we make that decision, we have to determine to know the Bible. You can't just hope that you know the Bible. You can't just say, well, I think the Bible says somewhere this. That's what got Eve into trouble. God told Eve, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do. The devil came along and said, oh, so just remind me again what the devil said. She misquoted God. 
She got it wrong. And the devil set a trap. He went, oh, she, she has, she's forgotten what he said. So he set a trap and she fell straight into it. And what the devil said to Eve in the garden is the same thing he says to you and I when we read the Bible. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves confronted with a circumstance and we think, oh, that Bible verse applies to this. And then the devil says this, did God really say that? Was that really for you? Are you sure? Because I'm not sure if you've looked in the mirror. I know you might think you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but last time I looked, his tactic is no different today than it was with Eve. It's one of the biggest differences between a believer and a disciple. See, believers read their Bibles. They go to church. Believers even go to Hillsong concerts. (laughs) Believers sometimes raise their hands in church. They're like, oh, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. But a believer doesn't like it when God says, I want you to do something that you don't wanna do. I wanna confront you with something. Believers don't like that because believers don't want God to make them feel uncomfortable. Believers want to be able to come to church and just stroll in after the first song with a cup of coffee and be like, yeah, it's all good. Pastor Clinton can't see me. I don't like those fast songs anyway. I only like the the slow ones. Disciples don't do that. Disciples wake up, set their alarm extra early on a Sunday morning and get to church on time, ready to worship God because they understand what it means. That's what a disciple does. Believers have a response to God's Word that is filtered through whether they want to do something or not. Disciples, their response to God's Word is they treat it as the perfect message to them, even when it makes them feel uncomfortable. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Thessalonica And he was marvelling at how quickly they transitioned from believers to disciples. And he said to them in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God, which effectively works in you who believe. He said, I can't stop thanking God that you you became disciples. You didn't just stop at believers. So we have to, in order to move from a believer to disciple, we have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Do I believe that the Bible is the true Word of God? Do I want the Bible to be the standard by which I live? Or is there some other standard worthy of my allegiance? How will I respond when the Word of God conflicts with my allegiance? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Do I really believe that trusting the Word of God will allow me to lead a deeper, more authentic life with Christ? Now, maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour and you're not a believer today. Firstly, let me tell you, you will have an opportunity at the end of this service to do that, to accept the free gift of salvation, which is something you cannot work for, you can only accept. But your questions may be different. You may be here this morning and your questions might be, well, I think, 
you know, don't all religions lead to God? Um, I, I think the Bible is full of contradictions, isn't it? Do people who don't believe in Jesus really go to a literal hell? Uh, is God really interested in my sexual preferences? Can I tell you, when you read one passage of the Bible from John chapter eight, you'll understand the truth of God's word and it will set you free because Jesus himself said it. He said in John chapter eight, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus was saying that your belief will come before your understanding that your trust will come before God shows you why. Now, we struggle with that. I'll tell you why we struggle. Because we live in a very patronising world. This is the world that you live in, in work situations all the time, in family situations. Somebody comes with you, something different than you think. And they present something to you. Maybe you're in a work meeting and they say something that you don't like or you think is different than what they should be saying. So you will say this sentence. You'll say, could you just help me understand? Could you help me understand? Could you just help me understand your point of view? In your head, you're like, because you're wrong. <laughs> and then somebody helps you understand and you either go one of two ways. Oh, interesting. I didn't have the brain power to think of that myself. Fortunately, we work together as a team and I'm now benefiting from your incredible mental ability. <laughs> or we're like, hmm, so you tried to help me understand and now I see that you're as stupid as I thought you were. <laughs> and we do the same thing to God. God says, I want you to do this. And you go, hmm. Help me understand. Could you help me understand, God? I have a list of questions that I'd like you to answer for me. If you could answer them all satisfactorily to my own personal understanding, then I shall indeed do what it is that thou art asking me. But if you do not answer them satisfactorily, then I'm sorry, you're on your own. You can't do that with God. You cannot. And if you are, stop it. Because you and I do not have the right to do that to the creator of the universe, the one who died on a cross for you and me. So we have to work out what truth do we stand on? Jesus said something very interesting when he was having a conversation with Pilate just before he was crucified in John chapter 18. And he said, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, so what is truth? And you and I ask the same question today. So we're confronted with a question. Am I on the side of truth? Am I listening to Jesus? Because if I'm not, then I'm listening to some other philosophy. I have some other God. Don't tell me you're an atheist because there is a God in your life somewhere. There is some, it's either a little G God that you worship or it's the big G real God. But you, everybody's got one. And listening means more than just hearing. It includes responding with obedience. 
And we cannot grow without God's truth. In fact, Jesus was having a conversation with God the Father. It's interesting how much of Scripture is God is Jesus talking to His Father about us. And He says, God, sanctify them, make them clean by Your truth, which is in Your Word. Jesus knew that you and I could only be made clean by the truth of His Father's Word. Jesus said that. Which is why I, as a pastor, preach the truth. That's what I do. I preach the Word of God. Why? Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, for me, Anthony, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. And with some of you, it's a lot of long, long-suffering. I have to convince you. That's my job. Sometimes I've said to some of you, and I've said, hey, listen, the Bible says this for you, and I give you a verse, and you're like, well, I'm not convinced. And then you realise how determined I am, because I'm determined. Like, it takes a lot to stop me being determined. And I'm determined to convince you about the truth of the Word, and I'm not going to let you convince yourself to listen to the lies of the enemy rather than the truth of God's Word. That's my job. That's why this church will always be a church that's built on Jesus and His Word. Because that's the only thing that lasts. It's the only thing that's worth building anything on. Believers want to go to church to hear a pastor tell them what they want to hear. Disciples want to go to church because they want to listen and act in obedience to what the Word of God says. Disciples, disciples, when when a disciple's driving to church, they're like, okay, whatever God says to me through His Word today, I'm going to do it. Even if it's inconvenient, even if it challenges me, even if it means I've got to do something I don't want to do. And let me be crystal clear, when it comes to the Word of God, if the Word of God is true, then anything that contradicts it must therefore, by definition, be a lie. And every time that a disciple reads or hears God's truth, they have a predetermined disposition to believe whatever it is they are about to read. We don't read through a filter, whether it makes sense to me, whether I like it. We read it because it's the truth of God's Word. It's the mark of a disciple, nothing less. What, What are some of the reasons why we should believe the Word of God is truth? I think the first one is because I think it's the only, I think it's the only option that makes sense. I don't think atheism actually makes sense if you really, if you wanna play it out. Because atheism, says that the universe happened by chance, there's no higher moral code or authority. And actually, atheism would have you lead to a point where kindness is actually an obstacle to advancement. Yet there are a lot of people who say they're atheists who are very kind. And you actually can't be both. So it doesn't make sense. So if you say, oh, I don't believe in God, but I'm very kind, well, then you're not an atheist. It means you just have some other God. And your God might be kindness. And you think, well, I'm a noble person. So the word of, here's what I get out of the Word of God for me is that I'm a sinner. <laughs> but I'm a sinner saved by Jesus. And I'm a sinner who gets the opportunity to accept the free gift of salvation from Jesus and to live a life that I'm actually not worthy of living, but I get to live it anyway because of Jesus. That's what the Bible tells me. And as I read the Bible, it becomes clear to me that, that the unchangeable truth in God's Word apply today the same way as they have over cultures of the last 2,000 years. Why? Because humanity has not changed. Our culture has changed, but us as human beings, we haven't changed. 
That's why Jesus said at the end of His most famous message, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, floods came, the winds blew, beat on the house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Don't be foolish, because this is what foolishness is. Foolishness is willful blindness to the consequences of bad choices. That's making a bad choice and then going, well, I just, I'm just gonna pretend like the consequences aren't gonna happen to me. That's foolishness. Here's another reason why we should believe the Word of God is truth. And I'll tell you why, this is a great reason because the Bible is the most prophetically accurate, scientifically proven book in the history of the universe. We know that there were books written hundreds of years before Jesus that nobody's ever disputed were written, the Old Testament. And in that Old Testament were 300 prophecies written about Jesus that He actually fulfilled. The first one, that He'd be born in Bethlehem, Micah chapter five. Second one in Isaiah seven, that He would be born of a virgin. Now, if you just took those two and had a conversation pre-Jesus, and you're reading the Old Testament and you're having a conversation over dinner. So apparently uh, he's gonna be born in Bethlehem of a virgin. (laughs) Can you believe that? No, I can't. That almost seems supernatural. I kind of think that's the point. But we can't just stop there. This is what else was prophesied in the Old Testament that he would have to flee to Egypt, that he'd be rejected by his own people, that he would be the son of God, that he would be crucified, that his hands and feet would be pierced, that he'd be buried in a rich man's tomb, that he would rise from the dead, that he'd ascend to the right hand of God. And all of these proven to be written hundreds of years before Jesus actually was born. So you have to work out what are you gonna do with that? You can't just pretend that that's not there. This is real. Jesus himself always referred to the Word of God as His own personal final authority. You might question the validity of the Bible, but Jesus never did. In fact, in Jesus' darkest, most difficult moments, He relied on the truth of the Word of God. When He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when He was on the cross. And it can be said of Jesus that when you cut Him, He bled Scripture. I actually would love it if that was said of me. I'm not there yet. I don't know about you. I I think that would be pretty awesome to be a disciple of Jesus and somebody said, you know what, if you cut that person, they bleed scripture. Another reason I believe that the word of God is truth is because I have personally seen hundreds, if not thousands of people actually stand on the promises of the Word and I've seen miracles happen in their lives. I've seen hopeless people find hope. I have seen lost people find purpose. I have seen sick people healed because they have trusted the Word of God. And, And I've seen all these things because in my own life, the Word of God is the lens through which I look at every situation and every person. Now that's hard. Because 
In order to look at every person and every situation through the lens of God, you have to be committed to certain things. If you're a photographer and you're taking a photo and you look through a lens, you have to focus on the subject that you want to bring into focus. That's what a photographer does. And then you get to look at the photo afterwards and you can see what it is the photographer was focusing on. And that's what we need to do with people and situations. We need to, we need to think, what does God want me to focus on in this situation? Not what do I want to focus on, what does God want me to focus on? But we have to be committed. First thing we have to be committed to is we have to be committed to stop being ruled by our feelings. Everybody wants to put the Word of God under their feelings. Well, but I don't feel like it. God's calling me to the mission field, but I don't feel like going. God called me to go and pray for somebody to be healed, but I didn't feel like it. God asked me to give this up, but I didn't feel like it. Jesus never said, I don't feel like dying on a cross. He said, not my will, yours be done. Listen, God created us with emotions. They're not bad. Look, I have an overabundance of them. I got so many emotions. I'm up and down all over the place. My wife's like, "Mm." you know, I'm like. My daughter, she has lots of emotions. They're dependent on whether she's hungry or not. And George, his emotion is just watching the rest of us be emotional. So emotions aren't bad, but emotions must be subject to God's will. Not God's will being subject to your emotions. We have to be committed to moving from just hearing the Word to actually doing it. I see this a lot. See, believers, this is what believers do. They hear Scripture, they hear a message. Um, And then they wait. That's what believers do. Like today, I'll preach this message and then some of you will be very generous to me and you'll come up and see me in the lobby afterwards and you'll be like, Pastor, that was an amazing message. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank you for that message. And And then in six months' time, I will see you living a life no different than you were before today. And you will not have done anything with this message. And if I was to ask you why, you might say to me, well, I was just waiting. I was just waiting for confirmation. Like you, you come up with a very spiritual answer, which sound incredibly spiritual. Well, I'm just waiting for the Holy Spirit to reveal to me further what He would sayeth unto me. And as yet He has not done so. So I waiteth. That's what a believer does. A disciple, okay, that's what I need to do. It's what I need to change in my life. I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna act on it. I'm gonna do it right now. I'm not waiting anymore for my checklist of questions to get answered. I'm all in and I'm all in now. That's what disciples do. Think about the disciples, Jesus' 12 disciples. That's what they did. Jesus said, hey, pick up your net. Get it out of that side and put it over this side. They went, Pick up net from this side? Yes, sir. Put it on this side? Yes, sir. Oh, wow, a thousand fish. That's amazing. What else do you want me to do? Go heal the sick? Yes, sir. What else do you want me to do? Leave my family and everybody who's close to me? Yes, sir, I will do it. What do you want me to do? Die on a cross upside down for you? Yes, sir, I will do it. That's what a disciple does. 
regardless of consequence, regardless of thought process, it's an act dependent upon the obedience of the mark of God. Disciples do not come to church to be entertained, they come to church to be directed by God to action. Action is the mark of a disciple. James, Jesus' half-brother. You wanna talk about a guy who grew up in a tough household. Imagine having Jesus as your brother. My goodness. That's a tough act to follow. And he wrote in James chapter one, be doers of the work and not hearers only, because if you do, you're deceiving yourself. Listen to me very carefully, church. If you're hearing God's Word and you are not doing it, you are deceiving yourself. Do not get upset at me about it. Sometimes I quote Scriptures from the Bible and you get so upset about it. And you're like, I can't believe Pastor Anthony said that. What kind of church is this? Hey, I just said what's in the Bible. If you wanna send somebody an email, send God an email. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in everything that he does. Have you forgotten what you looked like the day you gave your life to Christ? When you looked in the mirror and you saw a sinner saved by grace, with the full potential of God's Word in front of you. Go back, remember what that looks like and start living like it. We have to be committed to believing that God's Word never fails, regardless of the circumstances. Listen, God's going to test you. Trust me, there's gonna be times that are testing. Have a look at Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith, all these incredible heroes in the Bible and every one of them, the only reason they ended up heroes of faith is because they never gave up and they never give in. And that's what you and I have to be determined to do. Never give up, never give in. I can honestly tell you that I've never doubted that God would provide for me in my own life. But I can also tell you that He hasn't provided for me the way I would have liked Him to. And He also has not done it in the time frame that I asked. <laughs> but He always did. And I wanna make this very personal for me. As a pastor, I wanna say this to you. I have no desire to live on this planet and to live a normal life. I want to live to my potential in Jesus Christ. I wanna live my life as an adventure for Jesus, with Jesus. I want my life's purpose to be determined by Jesus. I do not want my own emotions to smother God's purpose in my life. And I know that none of it will happen unless I personally stand on the promises and the truth of the Word of God. So I want to close by asking you a question. The Word of God. Does it bore you to read? Or does it thrill you? Does it scare you? Or does it excite you? The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 4, the Word of God is living, powerful, 
sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of your heart. God's Word knows what's going on in your heart this morning. Some of you need to let God's Word perform surgery in your heart with precision. Some of you, your heart has grown cold and you need a heart of flesh restored in you so that you can love with the compassion that you want to love with. Some of you do not believe that you can ever be powerful at all because of past circumstances, past hurt, things that people have done to you. Can I tell you that I will belligerently stand beside you and remind you of the truth of Philippians 4.13 until I have no breath left in me. That you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And I will not let the devil rip you off. I will not let him stop you from living the potential that God has for you because of lies that the devil wants to whisper to you. He's gonna have to get through me first. But you have the truth of God's Word to rely on. I will fight alongside you as your pastor, but I cannot fight for you. Only you can fight your fight. Only you can pick up your sword. Only you can wield the promises of the power of God. I can't do it for you. Do I wish I could? Of course I do. It keeps me awake at night. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, God, why won't they just trust the Word of God? Why won't they do it, God? You have a choice. Just like everything that God has for us, we have a choice. We have a choice of whether we accept salvation. We have a choice about whether we believe the promises of God. We have a choice about whether we believe the Word of God. We have a choice. If you have not chosen Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, you can choose to do that today. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus Christ today. Maybe you've you, you made a decision to live for Him, but you have not lived for Him today. And today you need to read, you need to, when, when, the, when you get an opportunity in a few minutes to raise your hand and give your life to Jesus, maybe it's a recommitment. Maybe you've got to say, yeah, I'm back all in again because I've been out and I have not been living and, and, and trusting the Word of God. Maybe that's you today, I don't know. But here's what I know. Before I pray, I'm gonna pray, we're gonna sing a song and then Pastor Drake's gonna come up and close us. But I'm, I'm going on sabbatical tomorrow for four weeks. And this is my message that I'm leaving our church. And when I come back in four weeks, if you're here and you're still here, then I'm gonna assume that you're all in on this, that you wanna be a disciple. Because we will never change the world as just believers. The only way this world gets changed for Jesus is if we become disciples. It's the only way. That means 
You pray, you seek God. You ask Him what He wants you to change. You ask Him what He wants you to lay down. You ask Him what He, what he wants you to do, where He wants you to go. Because this world needs Jesus more than ever. It doesn't need anything else, just Jesus. Because we've got everything else. Particularly living in this country and living in this part of the world and this part of, even just this part of the the twin cities that we live in. But we need Jesus. And the only way the world finds out about Jesus is if disciples will go. And you know what we're called to do when we go? The Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples. You can't make one unless you are one. So we've got to be all in. Before I pray, I just feel to do this. If this is you and you want to be a disciple, you want to go from believer to disciple or you want to become a more committed disciple, I want you to stand right now. And please don't stand out of like feeling everybody else is standing around. You only do it if it's real. There's no no condemnation. This is just for those. Okay, Heavenly Father, I thank You, Lord. I pray, Lord, that You would help us, Lord, to become more than just believers, but to become disciples. Lord, I pray, Lord, for anybody today who's not a believer, I pray, Lord, that they would understand the depth and width of Your love for them and how much You care for them. And Lord, You're not waiting for them to get perfect. You're not waiting for them to change their habits. You're just waiting for them to come to You and accept the free gift of salvation. And I pray, Lord, that for every one of us, Lord, this morning, that we would receive a challenge, Lord, that once we've gone from an unbeliever to a believer, that then we would make the journey to a disciple, Lord, so that we can do everything that You've called us to do. In Jesus' Name, I pray. Amen.